Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, and Steve Ditko created Spider-Man, X-Men, the Fantastic Four, and the Avengers, timeless characters whose stories were retold in the modern day with the creation of the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Join us as we journey through My Ultimate Year. Hello and welcome to My Ultimate Year. My name's Dave. I am the founder and editor-in-chief of comicbookherald.com. I am joined, as always, by my co-host here on the My Marvelous Year Network, Zach Dean. How's it going, Zach? Good, good. I'm uh, editor-in-chief of the comic book feral. Comic book ferals? Feraled. <laughs> so that's like, um, you specifically cover Wolverine. Mm. You cover Wild Child. You don't know about Wild Child yet. <sighs> Um, Sabretooth, obviously. Probably actual Feral. There is an X-Men character named Feral. Uh, Wolfsbane, we can throw in there. Who am I missing? Jack Russell, maybe? Um, it's a lot writing about the, the 1994 Jodie Foster drama Nell, if you're aware of that movie. It's mostly... <laughs> what it's, is that? Uh, it's a movie where Jodie Foster is a, f- a feral child. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah, it, I'm unfamiliar. Okay, yeah, check out It's mostly. It's mostly... Uh, articles about when is the comic book adaptation of Nell coming out and then the article Mm -hmm. you know that's the headline and then the article itself is saying no news yet but you also you also well sometimes it's no news yet but you also pitch a lot of rumors and like I gotta say you've gotten so heavy into rumor mongering Mm -hmm. it's it's concerned like the other day you were like CB Sabluski announces Jodie Foster written feral miniseries <laughs> and like the the comics internet just takes these things and runs with that them, is you know? true they do like there's there's limited fact checking on uh, on the sourcing on some of these things so I, I on one hand congratulations that you have that kind of influence on the other hand ethically Zach <laughs> I think you've made some some question choices I mean I mean you, you can say that but if we compare the uh, you know the click numbers to comic book feral versus comic book heralds I think I think oh the results gosh. speak for them Oh, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. Jealous. And like one of my 2020 resolutions is to to try to be less jealous. It's not working. For more clicks. Yeah. Is is right. 2020 resolution number one, sell out hard, make lots of dough. Resolution number two, try to be less jealous of Compo Feral. (laughs) Um, But that's actually not the main focus of this podcast, believe it or not. This is a My Ultimate Year special where Zach and I read through the entire Marvel Ultimate Universe alongside the likes of you, the reader. And uh, this one is a very (laughs) special... The reader, <laughs> the likes. Oh, well, the come on! That was the the nicest thing I've ever said about our listeners. Yeah, that's true. You know, they're just a bunch of readers. That's uh, it's my kind of God, people. even the way you. But said uh, that. this is a very special my ultimate year because this was so my ultimate year is always uh, sponsored by our listeners. Um, it is sponsored over on patreoncom slash year. It is funded, and if we hit our goal, we will record my ultimate year episodes. This episode, we had fallen behind the mm-hmm. goal. I said to Zach. No way in H E double C K am I going to record this thing. And uh, and then the listeners said, you know, hey, uh, let's band together and get us back over the goal so my ultimate year can continue. Yep. So Zach and I are rushing out our third episode. 
of my Ultimate Year, where today we're going to be reading through the second arc of Ultimate Spider-Man, second arc of Ultimate X-Men, and the kind of second or third and final arc, really, of Marvel Team Up. Second, um, second and chunk we only read second chunk ones, that yeah. we've done in the club, yeah. and uh, and we're going to continue plowing through here the Ultimate Universe. So thank you to everyone who made this possible, especially those of you who banded together in the eleventh hour. And we are going to churn this out for the first of the month and keep my ultimate year. Yeah, overall. yeah. Thanks, everyone. Um, just a little note about the list. You might notice that my or uh, my ultimate year. You might notice that Ultimate Marvel Team Up number nine is not part of this. That so we did one through eight for episode one, and we're doing ten through sixteen for this one. Where can people find the list? Zach? Oh, you can find the list. Uh, well, I guess you to listen to the show, you need to be backing us on Patreon, and if you're backing us on Patreon, you get access to the spreadsheet in which. I list all of the comics that we're doing for my ultimate year. If you're only backing it a dollar a month, you get the newsletter, which lists uh, what we're reading for the, like next month's episode. And if you uh, if you look in the show notes, that's right. That's I was like, there's a free place somewhere in the show notes. You show can see notes. which episode. And that's and and you said if you if you're backing us, you get the show as they're released. If you're not, no worries. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, you can you will get the show released to the My Marvel this year feed six months after. We record so it's kind of a special thing that we release first to patreon listeners who want to play along um but then of course we will be making this available and you can find all the reading lists in the show notes yep uh for for playing along at home for what we are going to be talking but i just about. wanted to point out okay, ultimate marvel saying. team up number nine is not coming till episode number six and that's because it like i think it has the fantastic four i think that's the whole point is that we want to we yes. want to introduce the fantastic four in the you know read some of those issues before we do that because it's kind of an underwhelming Wait, introduction well, <laughs> to them yes we'll we'll talk about it Multi ultimate marvel team up is kind of ripe with weird just continuity it, um they're not even oversights so much as just irrelevancies yeah, yeah, like yeah, they yeah, weren't totally. thinking about yeah. it yet yeah, yeah. fantastic four stands out the most probably because that series actually gets a launch and they're just like the the comics are just weirdly at odds with each other There's a lot of stuff um here. so yeah, that's like that i mean it's like w yeah were they planning on just not doing fantastic four uh, it I mean, well, we talked about this in the very first episode, but, like, they were just... They weren't planning on this running for 15 years. Well, I know, but, like, they're doing Spider-Man <laughs> like, Nobody expected that. And it's just like, well, what else were you going to do? Like, the Avengers, and then... Yeah, I mean, I don't think circa... I don't think circa 2000, though, that you're you're necessarily... Well, no, I'm probably wrong on this, actually, because the Fantastic Four movies weren't too far away. It's not like these properties were, like, dead yeah. in the water. So... Yeah, Ultimate Marvel team of super weird. We'll talk yeah. about it because um, it really is. It's this book that's like, hey, we're just going to toss out all these characters, but we're not going to solidify what they're actually going to be in the Ultimate Universe. Yeah, yeah. So basically, almost every issue here is like really their artistic showcases. Yeah, yeah let's, let, we'll wait. Well, let, let's that can kind of be thrown we'll away when we, when we get to it. Let's let's start out with Ultimate Spider-Man, yeah. and then we'll we'll talk about it. Okay, so this year we read Ultimate Spider-Man. What was it? Eight 13. through is it thirteen. Yep. Okay, so this is the second arc um, following the Green Goblin's attack on Peter Parker's high school where Norman Osborn turned into the Green Goblin and he was arrested by S.H.I.E.L.D. after Spider-Man fought him at Midtown High. So everyone in this Ultimate Marvel Universe is is becoming pretty aware of Spider-Man um, and obviously Peter Parker is, is dealing with that and kind of figuring out what do I do next with these powers. And this storyline finds him deciding, hey... I'm going to, I don't like crime taken out, you know, taking advantage of people. I don't like, uh, for example, Wilson Fisk taking advantage of his power and his criminal enterprises at the Kingpin. 
I'm going to take down the Kingpin single-handedly, which actually I think is a very fun second Spider-Man arc because there's a very like 15-year-old Peter Parker mentality yeah. at work here. And and then he meets sort of reality, yep. you know, which is to say like, wait, I'm a costumed Spider-Man trying to take down a criminal network. How is this actually going to work? And obviously it's not as yeah, easy as just showing up and punching. This is one of the things I think really works about this series is that like he does a good job of writing him as a teenager, uh, that he's very naive. He being Brian Michael Bendis. This is the only thing I'm going to say nice about Brian Michael Bendis this issue because he mostly drove... Oh, get out of town and take a Mostly drove me crazy, but... um, Drove me crazy in a good way. Look at that. (laughs) He drove me wild. (laughs) Oh, man. I was so sweaty reading these. Let me tell you. Yeah, so... um, Yeah, I like how naive Peter is and... something i really like and this is something we didn't get with you know uh mainline spider-man is that everyone knows he's a teenager and reacts to him as such right like every criminal that bumps into right. him is like how old are you right. like they hear his voice and they see how scrawny he is and they're just like what are you 13 like he's constant and we saw that yeah constantly we saw picking... that in team up too when wolverine's like how old are you kid and, but it's and a reoccurring like, thing 20 27 right yeah exactly <laughs> yeah they do a callback to that um yeah and i like the uh just that thing that, like, kind of is this... He can't even get respect from the villains he's beating up. They're still, like, taking these jabs at him by just being like, have you gone through puberty yet? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, I really Definitely like leaning into the teen aspects of Peter Parker is one of Ultimate Spider-Man's absolute strengths. Yeah, I feel like you could ignore that on the superhero side, though. So I just appreciate that it, like, leaks into that where, you know, mm-hmm. the, the villains mm-hmm. are also making fun of him for that as well. For being a yeah, child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Essentially, right? And and it's part of, like, Kingpin's... He's enraged by Spider-Man uh, getting into, you know, his his criminal enterprises. But also, he's like, I'm I'm being bothered by a 15-year-old? Like, it, it just... It enrages him to a yeah. degree that, you know, an adult Wolverine raiding his facility would not. Yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, then it would be, like, more business as usual as opposed to this, where it's, he's almost, like, confounded that it's even happening. You know, that this child is running around right. his building. Well, he, he doesn't um, even... Yeah, yeah it, you, you're right. Nice he's touch. confused because, like, Peter Parker breaks into his office. He, you know, starts fighting him. He, he grapples <laughs> him. And he's just like, who sent you? You know, like, he immediately is thinking this must be some kind of, like, rival. Or, you know, there, there must yeah. be some reason for this. It's not some 15-year-old going off all half-cocked, thinking that he's going to take down the kingpin. You know, by, like, sneaking into his office and punching some bad guys. But And this leads to, I think, the funniest joke we read here. That, like... Is there a more 2001 it's joke 2001. Than, than what you're it, about It to is, share? but it's really funny. Like, that joke really, like, legitimately made me laugh out loud. And I, I knew this joke, and I forgot yeah. about it, and it made me crack up, which is that, like, uh, Wilson Fisk is questioning Peter Parker, like, who sent you? And uh, Peter jokes, like, Carson Daly, which I guess for our younger listeners was, like, yeah, who, no kidding. who is... Th- I mean, he's still... Isn't he still on TV, like, amazingly? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's not, like... He was so ubiquitous at the time right because he was on tlc and what what else like well explain (laughs) explain tlc i mean he was just like the the oh not tlc tl trl god i always call it tlc no he was in tlc shut up that's it was left eye and then it was c dales dropping waterfalls Mm -hmm. yes yeah trl which is like a a lot of people don't know that live show in the 2000s i think he's on the voice now Maybe, maybe that's what he's. Yeah, yeah, he's the host of The Voice. Carson Daly. Listen, it's easy to dump on Carson. Guys had a long career as a host of things, but in the early two thousands, I mean, MTV's Total Request Live was like. Oh, I watched so much of that when I was show for teenagers. 
right? I mean, like that's like, like Good Morning all America the, for the big bands yeah. and, and acts. Yeah, kind of, but like cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it yeah, seemed yeah, cool, sure. you know. Yeah. Um. So anyway, so that's so, Carson Daly. Yeah, Peter and, Parker and says Carson Daly sent him like as a joke, and obviously Kinping doesn't get this reference, right? Like he doesn't understand. He doesn't know who Carson Daly is because he's not a teenager. And then later, mm-hmm. it just leads to one of the funniest lines, which is once he gets rid of Spider-Man and he's talking to his henchmen, <laughs> he just says to them, "Find this." Carson Daly and destroy him. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, good, very oh, good, very funny. Yeah. So it, I, you know what? Act- big actually, no. I was going to say that Spider-Man. Carson Daly joke somehow works despite so much of the like referential stuff falling really flat for me here. I think a lot of it feels very like older guy writing kid voice stuff. Uh, and, and, like, uh, see, but it's coupled with older guy writing kid stuff of the early 2000s. So, like, when Peter Parker says something to the effect of, why shouldn't I get a little bling-bling off the Spider-Man thing? <laughs> it reads corny as heck, but it is also 20 years old. Yeah. You know? It's no, a, it's know a it's, little it's, Stan Lee writing it kids. It is tough, to, tough you know? to split that a little bit to, to tell what part of it feels dated because it's dated and what part of it feels, you know, just off tone because it's an older guy writing. I, I think Bendis generally captures the spirit of being young yeah. quite well, yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You could question... I don't think it's as cringy as, like, there are a lot of examples um, of of modern writers. You know, we're recording this in the year 2020. So, like, there are examples of old white men writing young characters saying things like, man... This Avengering is lit, and like it just reads horrible. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And and that stuff I think you can easily call out in the moment with Bendis on Spider Man. I hear you, I, I, you it, know but what? it is You're also right. just it's, like anyone writing this stuff of the era is going to yeah. feel a little because it's also like of our childhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so it it also has that like I remember that, and I'm you know partially self aware enough to like mock myself. Sure. Over, I listen. When I was in 2001, I told everyone about my bling bling daily. Okay, like I woke right. up thinking bling, talking bling, and singing Bing Crosby, which was you know just kind of tangentially related. <laughs> but anywho, the, uh, this these issues, yeah, big picture, yeah, yeah. Ultimate Spider-Man. There is like no greater comfort food comic. For oh me. yeah. I found reading the second arc like I so my memory of reading Ultimate Spider-Man when I was getting into comics and and putting together comic book Herald was I loved it. I absolutely love this series. And going back to these, there's just like they're so easy to read. They're so light on their feet. You know, like when you go from where we are in the My Marvelous Year universe, which is the early 1980s, you go from that density to the lightness and the decompression of a story arc just about Spider-Man getting a job at the Daily Bugle and fighting Kingpin. It is so easy to read, and it's just like, like I said, it's comfort food. Like, I just like being in this world. I like hanging out with Peter Parker in this style, with Kong, with this Mary Jane, with this J. Jonah Jameson and Ben Urich. Like, all of that is is really, uh, it's really welcome. I, I don't know. Like, it's not, I don't know that everyone will feel this way going reading it for the first time in 2020 necessarily but for me it just has that effect. I, mean, I loved this when i was a teenager i read this at you know like 17 years old and really really love this mm-hmm. um i definitely like this i'm enjoying reading it you're you're right it is very easy to read 
I don't have that same, like, it does not give me warm fuzzies <laughs> like it might do for you. But, um, yeah, no, I think I think it's pretty successful at what it's doing. I, I think if I had to criticize one big thing about this series, because there's... I dislike Brian Michael Bendis' writing a lot more in Ultimate Team-Up than I do here. I think he's, like, doing okay. much better work here than he is in Team-Up. team, team Up. Even, like, his... Uh, that, like, quick back-and-forth banter quip thing works a lot better here yeah. than it does in Team-Up, and Team-Up, it grates on me a lot more. I think uh -huh. the biggest liability for this comic is the art still. I think Bagley's art... Mark Bagley Having art. those faces... It's, it's specifically the faces, because I think his Spider-Man works really well. I think the way he draws Spider-Man okay. is excellent. I think his action is pretty good. Like, his page composition works. The way he draws faces, they're just, like, these uncanny, cow-eyed people whose faces... I, part of it is that they change. They're, like, inconsistent from panel to panel. Like, Peter's forehead length varies greatly, <laughs> depending on, like, which panel you're talking about. Well, I, I have that problem. I mean, I don't think we should make fun of someone's disability. That your forehead just, forehead. you know, climbs and contracts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I go to work and I'm fine. And then by 3 p.m., my forehead's the size of, like, you know, like, it's like three feet long. And then you're, like, <laughs> embarrassed asking your girlfriend to go to a movie and your forehead just, like, bam, hits the ceiling. Well, I'm also embarrassed that I'm like a 30 year old with a girlfriend at work. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Because <laughs> I'm married with two kids, yeah. you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's a part of me that that definitely doesn't feel great about that. Um, it's interesting. I definitely don't. I I actually cause... notice any of what you're See, talking that's, about. Okay, like, so I, I, just I went genuinely to the do not this notice it because when I was reading these and I put up a panel <laughs> and I was just like, does anybody else? Is this just me? Like, and I I definitely got a bunch of feedback of people yeah, uh, yeah. saying uh, that it freaks their bean. That's a direct quote from a Slack member <laughs> that they hit the faces. So so a number of people reading along saying, actually, yeah, like the Bagley, just the way he draws people yeah. is is concerned. <laughs> That's you interesting. know what's strange? Cause um, it's, to me, it's such a it's such a part of this yeah. book because it's Bendis and Bagley forever. So it's like it's, it's I don't know. And I think, too, like when we get to team up, we read a lot of like abstract kind of weird yeah. art. And Bagley's just feels like down the middle solid superheroing yes. yeah, yeah yeah you know um but so like i'm not gonna say you're wrong i just it's a thing i just do not mm. notice i yeah i don't think it's it, it's not so much of a distraction that it pulls me out it's just it you know what it actually kind of feels sloppy more than it does that it's just his style and i don't like it because it's it's mostly the inconsistency of character faces that like sometimes mj just has this huge nose and then other times she has this cute little like sharp huh. nose like I, I on one page like i had one page that uh had like nine face that's a good way to make a 14 year old girl feel very very just like, insecure to say that. that their nose is fluctuating wildly between huge and tiny you have a very inconsistent nose young man <laughs> it's true um yeah i could it, and then i was just like is it i just don't like big eyes but then i remembered alita battle angel so that's not true because she's number one girl um you don't like inconsistent big yeah eyes, i guess huh? so and actually we even see it because i like manga <laughs> manga has big eyes always uh there's even a, an and ultimate... kind of he's kind of threading that almost manga line. it's not quite there i but think yes. a lot of times yeah, yeah totally because there's also which i i do think is is intentional we, we read something here, by you know, um, like that's china clugston major which is whew, what a name um who does something yeah. later and she does some real like manga inspired stuff that i quite liked um so yeah. Anyway, yeah. I let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the characters that are introduced in this second arc, because I one of the things that is most interesting to me about reading the Marvel Ultimate Universe is seeing okay, what characters made it in, and were there significant changes? Yeah. Right, like this is the 2000s modern reinvention of a reinterpretation 
of the Marvel Universe. And one thing I think we've definitely talked about and we'll continue to talk about today is like Ultimate Spider-Man is the Bendis core mm-hmm. of this universe, yeah. right? And Ultimate Marvel Team-Up falls into that. And so far, we've seen less interest in changing you yeah. know, in changing origins or in changing the the foundations that, you know, Stan Jack and Steve maybe started in mm-hmm. the 60s from him and more interest in like, what is what is the spirit yes. of this? Yeah, yeah, totally. And how do we keep that rolling, you know, for but but set in the 2000s, which I think generally works quite well. Whereas Ultimate X-Men, the second series we're going to talk about written by Mark Millar or by Andy Kubert is much bigger on let's change this to fit how this should really coalesce in the early 2000s. So Spider-Man. Who do we get introduced? We talked about the Kingpin. Yeah. The da- he's the Kingpin. Like, he's just the Kingpin from yeah. <laughs> from uh, regular Earth 616, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? No, I, no big changes, really, that we hear. I mean, there's story stuff that probably <laughs> is going to be different. I don't know if his wife is as big here. We haven't... We, we don't get a mention of her. I don't think she even comes into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, besides that, personality-wise, seems basically the same. Design seems basically the same. Yeah. You know? What did you think of the choice of doing... Kingpin, the Enforcers, Ooh, oh, Fox, oh, Fancy Dan, like the, yes, Montana. Yes, yeah, I like the Enforcers right? going because that is early, early Stan yep. Steve, Silver Age, Amazing Spider-Man. Um, Kingpin's not quite, but you lump him into that. I think that's actually a very smart connection. Yep. And then too, they just sort of threw in the big man, yeah, who I yeah, love. Yeah, I like that they kind <laughs> of know? just like that feels like a little wink towards like if you know who he is, fun. If not, you know, he works as this disposable two issue you know, kind of bad guy here. Um, I like the Enforcers because, like, I don't think they ever quite worked in the old comic. They were fun, like, corny Silver Age weirdness, you know, like... They're more fun Montana, here, I think, yeah. Montana Dan? Fancy Dan and Montana... What are their names? Montana Dan is the ship of those two characters Ooh. that I've been running. Uh, I do run Montana Dan Herald. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it is, uh, I, it's a small club, but we're very into that idea. Yeah. So yeah, I like, I mean, that one where they like fight the Hulk in the desert. It's pretty funny with, uh, with Spider-Man on a movie shoot, right? <laughs> the Silver Age. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. that's, I'm going to guess AMS 16, Green Goblin. Oh, go to up. hell. Did you um, just pull that out of your ass? Like, <laughs> I, that listen, is... I'm, I'm 70% confident in that guess. But if I'm right, damn, am I good? Uh-huh, All right. Yeah. So yeah. So it brings in Ox, Fancy Dan, who are who are very fun. I think like bringing the enforcers into this really okay, works you're because not, they you're not are right at all, just so you know. Amazing Spider-Man 16 is like a Daredevil issue. Whew. Yeah, yeah. So so it sounds like you know pretty cool. This is, um, no, that's good news for you that you were wrong. <laughs> like if you were right, yeah, that is embarrassing. Is it? Yeah. See, now I don't know. It's in the teens. Is my guess. Is it 12? I don't know. I'm looking. I'll tell you when I find it. It's on the My Marvelous Year list. That's why we do My Marvelous Year, and that's why I write these things down. Doing <laughs> it off memory would be insane. Um, but yeah, no, I really like having the Enforcers around. Uh, we get a Shocker appearance, who yeah. is actually like he's just the he's just the loser villain yeah. kind of throughout this yeah. run. Um, he doesn't really play a role here other than to show like, hey, Spider Man is beating up the occasional super powered person that you might have heard of. And uh, who else? Oh, we get the Daily Bugle, which is big. Yeah, so that and. That's... The only real updates here are Ben Yurick is a bigger part faster, right? Spider Man yep. than he would otherwise be. Bendis is probably the world's biggest Ben Yurick fan. Like he plays a role here, he plays a role in his Daredevil run in Earth Six One Six that is enormous. Um and but otherwise like JJJ, Robbie um Robbie Robertson, they're all Betty Brandt, uh they're all around and they're all kind of very similar roles. JJJ already, I think, is is anti Spider Man, but like it seems like he's got more of that um, J. 
JJJ with a conscience instead of JJJ, who's literally going to turn into a supervillain and, and attack Spider-Man with robots. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, he, he's mostly doing it, he says, because he's just like cynical and just being like, yeah, it's what the people want to read. They want a good guy and a bad guy. And I'm giving them the bad guy. It's Spider-Man. You know? He gives a whole speech about yeah. like, the reason I do this is to make money. Yeah. Yeah, is because yeah. I will tell readers what they yeah. want, uh, which is, like you said, very cynical, but also maybe a little more believable than the Earth 616 JJJ, who's like, I just flipping hate this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, everything. And he's, you know, I mean, he's at some a, point, you know, like, front to that my just becomes heroism. so believable because Spider Man and him have had such this log antagonism. It doesn't even matter where it started. At this point, it's just like spun out of control because Spider Man has, like, webbed him to his chair so many times that he's never going to forgive him. Right. Yeah. Right. I, totally. And then Spider Man gets a job at the Daily Bugle, not taking photos, but as a. Well, he shows up and tries to do yeah. photos. I like the way this progresses. Yeah. Well, but I just, the, the, the joke, which really makes me groan that Spider-Man gets a job as a web designer is like pretty bad. You mean because of the pun of yeah. it? And also it is just, the, oh, well, they don't, they don't lean into that pun. No, I know. I just don't like it. Oh, I love, I, I love the actual updating of, no, we're not actually going to have you just take photos of yourself all the time. Cause that is cl- like, we, we obviously joked about Silver Age, Amazing Spider-Man, yeah. how how funny it is that Peter Parker walks into an adult's office and says, there's one thing you must never ask me. <laughs> yeah, right. You must never ask me how I got this. And then, I mean, eventually, pictures. I think the editorial team on Spider-Man realized how absurd that was. And, you know, they kind of came up with the thing with like, yeah, Peter Parker and Spider-Man have a, you know, a deal where Spider-Man sells him photos right. or like lets him take right. photos of him, you know, and like builds in that relationship um no i yeah it's fine i i really don't care about that this much they're they're doing this little thing with like spider-man with peter parker where he's just kind of a genius in all regards right he's just like oh yeah i know how to code because uh i don't know i'm a, I'm a teen i'm a teen boy that was that was genuinely weird i actually don't remember him i i remembered it just being like well he's a 15 year old in the year 2000 and he's a nerd like he learned to code but when when pressed, like, how do you know this stuff? He was like, I don't know. I just it, know. It, you don't just inherently doesn't, doesn't absorb that, like, how to Doesn't code. that sound like someone who's, I mean, Brian Michael Bendis was not 40 at this time, but doesn't that sound like your, you know, uncle when you were a teenager who was just like, oh, geez, the VCR is acting up. All right, someone get the teenager. Like, they, they know yeah. how to fix it. No, it's, it. it's totally that yeah. scene, right? It's all the adults. And, and you know, Betty Brant's a young adult um, being like, you know, the website's broken. I don't know what's up. Which I actually do appreciate that being a very, that feels a very um, earnest, like, newspaper yeah, problem sure. from the yeah, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. The idea that nobody would know why the heck the website's broken. And that potentially a 15-year-old could walk in and be like, oh, I can fix yeah, that. Yeah. Um, that. That I all buy. So I, I do like that as the, the inroad to get Peter at the Daily Bugle. I just miss him as being, like, a science boy. He doesn't need to be, like, a science boy. And also, like, later he's going to, you know, like... Well, being a photographer doesn't make him a science boy. No, it doesn't. I'm closer saying, to, like... He's closer to a science boy doing uh, web stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. now he's, like... That's that's at least using his smart boy. But I liked him as, like, a physics and chemistry boy. I like him as a... Wait for it. Web dev. Are you just... You get are, it? are you saying that to, like, provoke me? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's not going to... Is it working? No, of course not. I mean, I you're, already, you're turning already, very green right now. <laughs> the joke. Zach just put on some purple shorts, guys, and I'm a little concerned. <laughs> oh, I um, thought you were okay. going for a green so, goblin joke. He just pulled out his, his purse full of pumpkins. What if Green Goblin just started dressing like the Hulk and, like, pretending he was the Hulk? Yeah. I mean, purple Why not, and green, right? it's a good combo. Um, what else? Is there anything else? Oh, the, the other big... There are two other so Spider Man's home life here, or Peter Parker's home life. He um he finally kicks off like dating Mary Jane, 
I guess not finally, yeah. like mm-hmm. very early in the sure. series. And they clearly have been romantically interested. They really begin just dating right here, which uh, I like I a lot. Mary actually. Jane makes the like, first Mary Jane's move a high too, schooler. They go to the same cute. high school. Like she asks him out. Yeah, yeah. And she's like clearly the more confident sort of assertive of yeah. the two. She's not as um, party, party, go, go. No, not at all. <laughs> dance all the time as, no. as 60s no. Mary Jane. But she is clearly like, yeah, more confident, more assertive. I, I like establishing this relationship so early. I also really like um, Aunt May in this series where she is, again, like she's reacting to the death of her husband, which is very yeah. recent for her, uh, which is obviously very troubling. And, and Peter's kind of gone all the time because he's Spider-Manning. So she's trying to figure out what's going on there. But then when she finds like Mary Jane and Peter, you know, hanging out in the room and she hears bumping or whatever, she's got like a very casual yet concerned um, sense of humor about it you know about calling them out on like hey are you guys being safe or using protection you know like this this characterization of aunt may is obviously the one that i think has stuck it's certainly in like the mcu yeah in terms of her being cool more grounded not always on her deathbed um which i gotta say for like the last five weeks i've been on aunt may's deathbed and it's not (laughs) as fun as the comics make it look yeah yeah, yeah. Um, it, it she definitely is less of that, like you know, kind of crazy old lady who is completely disconnected from reality that Peter needs to constantly be sheltering, which is the mainstream, yep. <laughs> mainstream Aunt May, um, yeah, as opposed so to indie indie Aunt May. I love indie Aunt May. Yeah, I'm a real Aunt May hipster. Um, I uh, I mean, this Aunt May though, for sure, like Joy Division. I'm. You know what sucks no is like my mind. this new digital Aunt May. Like if you if you're not if you're not Aunt Maying on analog, you're not you're yeah. not really Aunt Maying. Yeah. yeah, I prefer my Aunt May on vinyl. I I just I always have. I you don't know. That's just the way I like it. Don't make fun of vinyl. I'm a vinyl guy now. Gosh, you're such a is that good? Oh, can I, I? I I told the story of the Slack yesterday. <laughs> it's a diversion, but there's a there's a little vinyl company that I like follow on Facebook, and they just announced that they are. Um, releasing JLo's first two albums on vinyl, and she is performing the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I believe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's because of that. But. Presumably, that would include Jenny on the Block. I don't know. I don't know if that's in her first two. But the well, I, I assumed when you said they were releasing these that you pre-ordered them. Stat. I did not. But the Facebook comments okay. on this were split between men either saying like, "Ugh, I don't like her music," but pretty easy on the eyes, or. Okay. That's it. I'm canceling my subscription and never buying a record from you again because I'm so offended by the like. I was just like, oh man. Even even producing yeah, these, it, it's not like it's not part of their subscription. What happened to Poptimism, y'all? Oh my god, that's literally what someone in the Slack said. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah, Dang. no, I I saw it's, that and I was just like, oh boy, it's a tough I'm, look when I'm stealing Slackers. I'm joining jokes. into a uh, a bad hobby. This is maybe this is not the subculture I want to be part of. <laughs> this, is, mm-hmm. this is the tone. I feel that way often. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Is Wait, there what do you, what do you anything mean? else? Everyone in comics is so nice. No, no. Just like when I'm talking. Uh, here, like oh, when this subculture. I'm like this two-person subculture. <laughs> I'm like I don't. I, Zach's got some. Weird I like calling opinions. a friendship a subculture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my my tiny friendship okay, subculture. So, oh, actually, speaking um, of which, I, I what Googled, else do we want to talk about with with you? I, I was curious. I wanted to learn more about Brian Michael Bendis's politics after this <laughs> okay and uh this is not even this is not a very political um uh this ser- this story isn't here, the, the marvel team up has some little things that made me want to know more um uh there's one big thing that made me like 
almost explode, but we'll get there. Oh, really? Okay. I'm curious what that is. Uh, so I, I, I just Googled Brian Michael Bendis politics, and it mostly was like, why SJW Brian Michael Bendis is obsessed with racial politics, i.e. wrote a black character. Like, I mean, certainly he would be depicted now as an enemy of of people who only want um of the of the worst comic yeah, subcultures yeah, i guess yeah. let's just yeah, put yeah. it that way right like because he has been very pro writing in um and creating like diverse characters of different races and religions yeah, sure. uh, so i think i don't know that much of that comes through in ultimate spider-man no. early Mm-mm. uh honestly yeah. but that becomes a bigger focus for him as he as he progresses at yeah. marvel and, and gets a little well, more frankly like a little more creative liberty, yeah this was about you know? miles morales and riri williams both and it's both like mm-hmm. I mean, miles morales is huge and riri has her fan base like very silly anyway i liked i liked all the predictions yeah, bendis gets a lot of uh he gets a lot of flack for a lot of different things i i think net net I, i'm you know i've always i've said this probably in the first episode we talked about him too i'm a big brian michael bendis fan Honestly, um, I think a lot of his comics, like I do not like, but the yeah, ones that powers. are good are very, very important to me. Um, and his creations, his additions to the Marvel Universe, Jessica Jones, mm, yeah, yeah. Miles Morales, Riri Williams, like these are Riri to a lesser extent, but certainly like that is a it's a possibility now. Yeah. Um, like these are huge additions yeah, sure. to the Marvel Universe. So his contributions, you, his net, have you read that uh, gains that are solo series, much the Iron Heart solo series that's going right now? Yeah, I couldn't get into it, but I really like e viewing, uh, so I'm gonna keep. Like, oh, I, I read the first the three or four. I really liked it. I don't know. I mean, it, it's not yeah. like monumental, groundbreaking storytelling, but I thought it was like, I, I was interested in that character. So. Um, okay, yeah. so where were we? Okay, so um, I like I like the dynamic between Kingpin and Spider-Man here, which is that Kingpin is very serious and Spider-Man is kind of his normal goofball self, <clears throat> which is something that I think happens in mainline Spider-Man later, but we haven't seen too, too much of. It's like Spider-Man infuriating his foes. With like quips and jokes, right? like he's he's very quippy yeah, here, um, and and I think successfully yeah. so. Like it reads like, oh uh, yeah, this feels like a, a legitimate fifteen year old making you know wild bad jokes. The, the moment like the there's a really funny moment where um, the second time he faces off about Kingpin with Kingpin, he's like, wait, 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 just a second. I prepared something, and then he pulls out a stack of cue cards with jokes he had prepared to like make fun yeah. of, which I like. Although I don't love all the fat jokes. There's like kingpin fat jokes and it's They're very they're <clears throat> very of the yeah. era fat yeah. jokes. Um I like it in the sense of getting super under Kingpin's skin. Yeah. I don't like it in the sense of that's obviously something that is like body shaming and very sure. like unappealing. Yeah. And I mean Kingpin's <laughs> not even fat, so it's audience. literally just he's just trying to tell some funny fat jokes. So I I like the gist of it. I just yeah. that like the specific part of that I'm not not so into. Um sure. And then um, but yeah, he the way he strikes out at the Kingpin is he realizes Kingpin has videotapes everything. Yep. He has surveillance all over his facilities and effectively he steals security footage of the Kingpin bursting the big man's head like a watermelon yeah. while wearing Man, a Spider-Man the mask because hands are so good here. Like they they the size of the Kingpin is Yeah, they is draw awesome. his hands like he just easily envelops a man's head with his hands, right? Like, and it's yes. cartoony without seeming like, you know, he doesn't look like he's some kind of, uh, you know, like, Bane freak, right? They just draw him like he's just an enormous man. and He's just gigantic. Yeah. And I do, you know, we just, um, we're just reading Frank Miller's Daredevil in the My Marvelous Year yeah. Club. And there's a similar thing there of just like the proportions just being so wild and big that when Spider-Man or when Daredevil fight him, it's like 
they seem sort of feeble and and almost goofy even trying to like hit somebody yeah. this big i really like that design because it it makes it so peter has to be like i have to do other things you know i can't just like punch this guy <laughs> he's too big he'll kick my butt which is what he does when they first fight and he literally throws peter out of a window um seeming like and and kingpin so kingpin and his crew they take off peter's mask they obviously don't know another who he is, another really good moment where they pull his mask and they're just like i have no idea who this kid is just toss toss him yeah. out the window <laughs> but they do throw a 15 year old out the window yeah, yeah, yeah. so like there's there's no question of of kingpin's villainy here peter obviously survives and comes back and outs kingpin by giving this uh this murder footage to ben yeah. Yurik. And then we end with one, um, like, single room issue, which I really like. There's an issue here where Peter Parker invites MJ over to his house, and the entire issue is just them having one long conversation where he reveals to her that he's Spider-Man. This is issue 13, I think, right? And, like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's crazy. It's so smart. It's so smart to, like, you know, like, we're going to keep the secret identity thing, but how do we work around that a little bit? Like, how do we not... One of the things that's exhausting reading old Spider-Man is just that like, okay, well, his relationships just keep going through the same cycle, right? He keeps having the same cycle and you keep seeing the same frustration and the same problem again. Like Peter Parker makes a promise and then he can't fulfill it because he's Spider-Man and he has to go web web off or something. So like one, just to give him an inside character, like another character to share a secret is so much fun, right? Because he's a teenager and you get to like have those, like view him through someone else's eyes. Like that's very fun. Yeah. And then also just to like eliminate that from the dynamics of his romantic relationship right away, right? You're not outing him fully. You can still do the secret ID identification or secret identity thing, but, um, secret identification is what people typically call it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you have your secret identification card? I always forget mine. No. It's like whenever you go somewhere and you need it, I always leave it at mm-hmm. home, you know, because I don't like to have too many cards in my wallet. You ever sit on a too big wallet? You know, you get like a like a sore hip. Wow. You really just <laughs> didn't even let me answer the first question before you jumped into the. No, you shouldn't sit on your wallet because you can cause uh, like permanent what is it, sciatica. Is that what you can? Yeah, you can. Uh... Um, I think it's sialysis. You can cause permanent sialysis. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I actually Cialis. switched to a you can cause permanent yeah. sialis. Yeah, so you're just always sitting in bathtubs. <laughs> Real horny. <laughs> um, yeah, I switched to a a card. It's like a, I don't know, like a money money fold? Bill fold, maybe? Yeah, I just keep it in my front pocket. Yeah, I just put some bling on my on chains <laughs> on my neck. Uh, I just have my wallet on a wallet chain, but I don't put it in my pocket. It's just always dangling down by my shins. I'm just always kicking <laughs> <laughs> Kicking it off. <laughs> just super low, getting real muddy all the time. Yep. Yeah, just yeah, scattering. That's a good cards. look. Uh, anyway, we're, we're real cool. But uh, yeah, so Peter Man, or Peter Man, yeah, Peter Man uh, <laughs> reveals he is Peter. Yeah. He reveals he is Peter Man to Mary Jane. And it's awesome. Yeah, it's yeah, great. I mean, totally she laughs. Awesome. There's at him actually at first, something. Which is funny. And then she, like, kind of, you know, like, faints a little bit. And, like, yeah, it's good. It's fun. <laughs> and it's definitely the direction of the, um, of the Ultimate Universe of being like, hey, Secret Identities kind of goofball. And like kind of don't keep his but it's not going to be like the focus right like that that is not the like the core of dramatic tension all the time like it often is you know with iron man or whatever yeah no i love this i i love this mj peter young relationship because we it's something we never got to see in earth 616 and also because he lets her in on the secret so early mj gets to play the role 
of the very close friend who knows his secrets. Like, this is what we see in the MCU, obviously, Genki, with yeah. this exact idea with yeah. Genki. Um, you know, a.k.a. Why are we calling him Ned Leeds? But... <laughs> oh, right. I forgot he's actually not Genki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, speak, speaking of which, um, Kong, yeah, it's an awesome Kong addition. is such a good character. Kong, I think, is the best original character in the Ultimate Universe so far. <laughs> like Kong is the Flash that... I always wish. Yeah, we had. he's really. It, this is a reference for very few people, I think. But if you watch or read Yu Yu Hakusho, he's got big Kuwabara energy. He is very much a Kuwabara okay. type, which I really like. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Kind of like the, yeah, the no, big and rough like bully Kong that, is like, the bully, with the heart of gold, who's actually like very sweet when you get to know him. Like, yeah, yeah, totally. Like he's when he starts, he's a bully with Flash, but like already by the end of this sequence in the Reading Club, he's like kind of joining the friend group and peter and him have like clear animosity which because I, he's been th- bullying peter later there's should. like a moment where he doesn't want him to come along to the like senior it's in the team yeah, up yeah. issue where they go to the mall and i didn't yeah. i didn't really understand that because it's like when you needed a place to stay kong let you sleep on his couch like why do you hate this guy <laughs> like he's been pretty nice to you for a while that that didn't yeah like, maybe no but it's but it, we also don't know like there's a flash thing you know i know from the from 616 where it's like he's been bullying him before high school yeah, yeah, yeah. it didn't start yeah, you know what yeah. i mean like there's a there's a legacy of of not liking these people so um but yeah no kong is kong's a really fun nice addition to this cast and yeah. crew uh but yeah let's i think let's move sure. on because we've talked a lot about spider-man i love it you can't stand yep. it you're a big mark bagley uh um bagger we say people who take his work throw it in bags and poop on it i mean he still gets uh, five bags from me Five, ba- five out of five yeah, bags. Five out of five bags. What, what else does yeah, he do yeah, that's, okay. uh, like, notable? Well, he's done. I mean, he has done a lot of Spider-Man. Like, he does I mean, does this for, like, Carnage work in the early 90s. Um, in Earth 616, I think. What else? He did a Fantastic Four run with Matt Fraction that yeah, yeah. I, I I certainly would not hold up as, like, oh, yeah, this is why he's awesome. And then, like, so Mark I don't, Wade in... He's also doing a Venom Island right now with Donny Cates. Oh, is, oh, that's right. That's him. Just as I caught yeah. up with Venom. I like finally caught up with it and started buying it in floppies, and I got the first two Venom Island issues on floppy, and I was just like, "Oh, this is taking a weird turn for the worst." Like the moment I started buying it. Um, now and- you also have not read the six one six Venom issues that those are clearly calling back to. I would I no, would they they explain it though. Like I I know I get the the context of it. They talk about yes, but they're better if you're into sure. those. Sure, yeah. I mean, I did. I, I am carnaged out by that point. Like. And it's yeah, just like, all right, you just had uh, six months of tons of carnage. Here's another little carnage. I'm excited yeah. for us to get to Ultimate Carnage, but we're not yeah, there yet. Yeah, yeah. Instead, we're going to move forward to Ultimate X-Men. Second story arc, this is Return to Weapon X. This is going to be issues, what is it, 7 through 14? That is correct, I think. Yeah. Yep, okay, yep. so these are written by Mark Millar, uh, the first story at least, uh, with art by Adam Kubert, inks by Art Tibbert, and letters by Wes Abbott, colors by Richard Isinov. And... Okay, Ultimate X-Men. Mm-hmm. The first yeah. arc, I think, I I know I was generally positive yeah. towards in the sense of taking the Stan and Jack X-Men, taking the Claremont era X-Men, and taking all those big ideas of what X-Men is over the course of mm-hmm. decades, mashing it together into like one big X-Men versus Magneto and the Brotherhood movie, yeah. effectively, yeah. is what sure. it did. I think it does a good job of blending the eras. The second story arc is where I think it really starts to lean into some of Mark Millar's worst impulses. Mm-hmm. There's a sort of crude brutality yeah. to this yeah, story yeah. 
that is very unappealing, at least to me. Um, a lot of it feels like, and again, these are published, you know, 2001, maybe into early 2002. I think it's right before Ultimates would have launched because mm-hmm. we're going to read that yep. next. And it's a very uh, early 2000s, like, I don't know, it just feels like a junior high student's version of what would be um, kind of awesome. Yeah. You know, I, is like of taking the toys and just kind of ripping their arms off. I, I don't. what it feels like a I little think bit. there are much, much worse examples of that. I feel like this is leaning in that. It's not yeah, the worst. I, this is leaning in that direction. It was not... Um, it didn't do that enough that it was a total turnoff for me. But yeah, so like, uh, I will get into it, but like Weapon X is using mutants like as mercenaries by keeping them hostage, you know. And like, at one point, Rogue goes on a mission for the, um, what's his name? Not Striker. Um, it's Colonel John Wraith. Wraith, yeah. Who and Rogue's is, like, as far as I know, a, a new character just for the yeah. ultimate. And then universe. like, Rogue is like you know, can I come back? Did I do a good enough job? You won't break my arms and legs again? He's like, oh, Rogue, you know that question only depends on how bored I get tonight. And it's like, uh, okay, I mean, like, th- that kind of unimaginable cruelty, but you're being so casual with it. I mean, that that's kind of my issue with that tone. Casual is, cruelty is that from like, a government installation. Right. And, and, right. Well, I mean, it's more like, it's more that it feels very surface level and kind of just like used for show instead of to any purpose, right? Like I'm not opposed mm-hmm. to this being dark and gritty and cruel, but it's also just like we know Rogue later. Rogue is not someone who seems like they've been in a prison camp where someone just breaks their limbs for kicks. <laughs> you know, that's a really like, good point. That, that's kind that's of the a really thing good is point. Like, so there seems like you know like the absolute worst, most torturous prison camp where they are just treated like so cruelly and the only one that it makes sense for is wolverine you know like wolverine seems like the only one who maybe was like scarred by this in a way that matches up to what happened to them but the rest of them like shrug it off the next issue you know like let's talk about that because that's a great point is you take weapon x which we know from and we haven't even gotten to this in the my marvelous year club so yeah some some of this is new maybe very mild spoilers if you've never watched an x-men movie and or cartoon or anything you know um, but obviously, Weapon X is like the government facility that experimented on Wolverine, that used him as their weapon, literally Weapon X, right, um, before he broke out. So in the Ultimate Universe, we have a situation where Wolverine has already escaped their clutches, but it's a part of his yeah. past. What we find in this story arc is that Weapon X is still very much in operation, and Professor X is trying to help Wolverine find it. What quickly happens is Weapon X is not only in operation, but apparently they have a stable of X-Men characters that we already know in their, like you said, their torturous prison camp. So Wolverine is is far from the only character whose backstory is tied to Weapon X. You also have Nightcrawler here. You have Rogue. They have Juggernaut. They have Sabretooth. They have probably another one i'm forgetting Uh um but it's like you have all these characters that are instantly uh, what's the word um they are like sabotaged by like their their entire being now should be in response to this awful insanely torturous experience they had at the hands of weapon x the 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 like the torturous nature of it feels unnecessary because you could have told this story and been like you know Weapon X kidnaps mutants, and then it forces them to be their mercenaries, you know, by threat of, you know, we put a bomb in your head, 
right? That's yeah. traumatic. It's a little Suicide Squad. Right, right. But that's actually. traumatic, and that's like this, you know, like trauma that's lingering over them. But it's not just like, yeah, at night we just like, you know, make them fight each other for dinner, right? Like, and we all laugh and like, yeah. you know, we would just spend the evenings burning the soles of their feet just for, you know, like the, when Nightcrawler gets punished and he's just like, you know, blowtorch his feet until he can't feel pain anymore. Then, then do it to the like the girl in the cell. Then torture the girl who sings to him. Anyway. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that, that kind of stuff make just him feels watch. like, okay, you're doing this because you want this to seem like very serious, very adult, but you're also not following through on it, right? Like you're, it's this kind of half-assed gesture towards this cruelty without point. So it just feels very like nihilistic. And like you said, it's just to be like, these are the big bad guys and boy, are they yeah. evil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which, which I already buy yeah, because yeah, they're yeah. capturing mutants and using. Yeah. Them I mean, that's weapons, great. You know? I actually, like, I really like that, a lot. that, um, that conceit, right. Of like this kind of like using mutants against mutants and like fostering this animosity between them. And well, I also like the idea, I guess of like, this is a shield operation. And the idea of S.H.I.E.L.D. having this very twisted component, but trying to justify it, you know? Yeah. So, like, here yeah, we yeah. see, for example, General Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, who we have not <laughs> encountered gets, before. Who gets uh, kind of inauspiciously exploded at the end of this. So it's not, it's like, all right, well, I guess that's... He, he's a, he's kind of a strange weird that he's, frankly. He shows up and dies yeah. in an X-Men comic, yeah. But he's like, he's supposed to be the government operative, who's kind of like... Listen, I know what you're doing is awful, but also don't tell me about it because we need it to keep running. Like there is a there is some conversation to be had around like the idea of Shield being completely complicit in in the mistreatment of mutants, right? And like there being factions of of humanity and Shield who, you know, agree with some of the ideas or the Sentinel program or Weapon X or whatever. But like you said, instead, it's like um yeah, it's just this like it's it's storytelling torture porn, yeah, and yeah. it so rarely appeals to me. I, it reminds me of like Game of Thrones, all the Theon torture stuff, yeah, where it's yeah. just like well, the, sh- the show is so at least, extended, the show that just leans into that in a way that's just like becomes exploitative and leering, right? Like, yes, you know. yes, you it's just, it's got a similar sort of. It's just a, a huge turnoff for me as as far as the story goes. Yeah, maybe maybe like, it, it didn't turn me off quite. I don't know so much. Like, I still really enjoyed this. I still I like this more than Spider Man this round um yeah really? I, I don't know i liked i i like the art here a lot um i'm really enjoying okay. the art here i think he's doing a lot of really creative stuff it's very detailed still um but and i, I don't know i like the overall conceit of this i generally like the characters i think that was the biggest problem for me was wraith and his like tone you know what i mean it kind of reminds me of garth enos when he's at his worst too right like yeah because garth enos yes. i mean he, he can have this talent to walk that line to seem, like, silly and hyper-violent all at the same time in a way that doesn't just feel, like, nasty and nihilistic, right? Like, I think Preacher generally is successful at that in a way that doesn't turn me off. And then I read The Boys, yeah. and I'm just yeah. like, oh, okay, this is you, you know, like, leaning into... There was the line, and then here's you jumping right, over exactly, it, right? Yeah. Um, I think I think Bilar, honestly, like, he's a, a similarly controversial yeah. writer obviously similarly popular as well and i think he it's it's not like i don't think he knows how to thread that balance either yeah, yeah. you know like we're going to talk about ultimates which i think does similar things where some elements i'm like ah, this is not for me but also like there's some really good ideas yeah. here yeah, yeah. um i think i think within I, don't, I think that's my my biggest problem with this story arc i guess is just i actually think tying so much 
of the X-Men world to Weapon X is not a good idea. Hmm. I actually think it it just does not work for me. Um, we talk, I talked about with Spider-Man, like this idea of changing the dynamic versus adapting yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Right? And with the first arc of X-Men, I do think all the changes to mash everything together work really well. I just, I can't get over the feeling of, with Weapon X, feeling like, actually, I don't think this works very well. Why? And why, it kind of... Because I, I didn't get that. Like, I, I like the idea that... Because I, I, I don't have any... I've never read a Weapon X comic. You know, I guess part of it is the the character inclusions, actually. Like, if Weapon X was currently harboring Sabretooth and Juggernaut, and... um. Not it doesn't even necessarily have to be someone who already has Weapon X connections, but like I don't know somebody a little more mercenary as opposed to like little innocent Nightcrawler yeah. and yeah. Rogue, who I want to go on to be like I just I like those characters and I don't want this tortured backstory for them. I yeah. guess uh-huh. um, I don't know. It's that's it, sort of a a fan possessiveness to yeah, that, that where it's like I just don't want to see them hurt yeah. like this. Yeah, which is on, honestly, well, not, to be to be fair, argument. Nightcrawler, like I, I don't feel that, but I also haven't seen how Nightcrawler gets really fleshed out because Nightcrawler barely is characterized here. He doesn't speak English, <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's a weird detail is that like he doesn't speak any English yeah. yet, and we don't really get him translated, uh, so we don't really get much of a personality from him yet. So yeah, no, yeah. I mean if he turns, I don't know, I might feel the same way if Nightcrawler never morphs into anything like what I would like to see. Right now, I, I don't mind that so much. Um, yeah, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the X-Men in this world at this time. So they're, they're coming off of this win, I guess, against Magneto on the White House yep. lawn. Professor X now has a direct line with President George W. Bush, <laughs> yep. right? They've got, um, they've got a sort of like... They're pushing for mutant rights from the, from the White House on Which down. Which I love that, and Weapon that X is, is talking about... Is retaliating. Like... Yeah, he's got the ear of our PC president. And it's like, George W. Bush? George George W. Yeah, yeah, everyone's right. so favorite it's like, obviously politically that is how far... correct president, George W. Bush. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's actually, it, that actually does some good job characterizing how far gone Wraith is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we actually, when we see the X-Men here, they're like, they're like celebrities. Yeah. Right? Like, they're like on a world tour of, <sighs> the... and I, I think that's one of the interesting things about Ultimate X-Men is how simultaneously they're like secretly going to school and don't tell people this but also they're very public in a way that i don't think of them in earth yeah i mean they go on talk shows and stuff i actually there's one really good joke here where colossus and storm are bantering about um that colossus is like are you jealous that i got voted number one sexiest mutant in japan and storm's like i think that's just because they thought you were a new digimon (laughs) just a good joke and also very much places this again in the early 2000s Sure, sure, totally. Um, but yeah, so the team is like, you know, they're they're kind of celebs. They're kind of making the case for Professor X's dream to degrees, I suppose. Um, in this instance, they get... I, I don't even remember why Weapon X finds them, but essentially they raid... They capture all the X-Men yeah, everyone and bring Wolverine, them to Weapon yeah. X and then force them on missions. Um, the most notable mission here is like they force Gene specifically... To in order to like save Cyclops's life, she has to. Does she kill? Yeah, she a guy kills the scientist who was mission? working on like a weird gene bomb thing. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, you know, it's like he's framed as a terrorist, but he's also just saying like I'm a real person. I actually like that. 
I think that worked because that like established real stakes for Gene. Like uh-huh. that one kind of worked. It was not this like outsized cruelty. It was just like, do what we say or we'll kill your boyfriend. Like you yes. need to, you know, like this is not a PG-13 mission <laughs> and you need to like do yeah. what we say. And it was not this, you know, like if you don't do this, we're going to, you know, like I'm going to cut out his guts and then I'm going to, you know, hang him with his own entrails, like this kind of supersized yeah, thing. It yeah, was just yeah. like, if you don't want to watch him die, you do this right now. And yeah, uh-huh. that, that worked for me. Okay. That was actually one of the few moments of that kind of like enforced cruelty that I thought landed. Cause I, I like this general setup. Um, and I like how, well, I think that one also pays off by the yeah, end of things yeah, yeah. because at the end of the story, the X-Men are breaking out. Um, with the help of the Brotherhood of Evil. That's what I was going to say. That Ooh. That is the thing that I like the most is that this becomes a like a unifying moment for the mutants. And this is something yeah. I bet, like about Ultimate X-Men a lot is the like the waffling uh, like loyalties of the different mutants who like kind of jump back and forth between Magneto and X-Men. Like the, yeah. the Brotherhood yeah. here, like who comes? I can't remember. So, some of these, like some of the Brotherhood comes over to the X-Men, I think here. It's Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver toad and blob yeah and then who can we talk about blob for a second because blob is kind so, of off screen for most of this but they do sorry go but he's eating people off screen yeah they do mention that he eats and people. i think that's important i'm i i don't know it, it is 99 percent implied that blob is like a hardcore cannibal yep and everyone's kind of okay with this yeah this kind of gets just brushed away later and then comes back in a big bad way later. <laughs> comes back in some real big ways. Uh, I don't... This this to me is what I talk about when I talk about Millar's crude brutality. Because again, it's just like, the idea oh, is this something you really want to do? Or is this just some like throwaway line that you're just like, yeah, that's cool. That's badass. It's some hardcore shock yeah. value. But yeah, anyway, yeah. you were saying. Uh, no, I... You were saying about unity? Yeah, yeah. I, I like that like <laughs> there is this, you know, like people jump back and forth here, right? Like they're teenagers... They're kind of swayed. No, no one knows where they stand here, right? In this world, like mm-hmm. they still, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's not like they're as ideologically firm as Magneto or Professor X, and so that they, you know, kind of sometimes are swayed, and they're just like, no, you know, we should try to win humans' hearts, and then something bad happens to them, and they're just like, oh, you know, screw that. Let's, you know, screw the humans. Yeah. I'm going over to Magneto's side, and that they, they kind. Yeah. I mean, we already saw that Cyclops already like came and went from the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Well, and I actually think that's one of the better ideas executed in this story is when the X-Men are in prison with, you know, Juggernaut and Sabretooth and all them, um, you know, Juggernaut and I think yeah. Rogue call out the X-Men being like, you fought for this. You fought for Weapon X to imprison us when you took down Magneto, yeah. you big right. idiots, yep. right? Like, this is what you get when you try to fight for peace is there will always be humans who hate us and want to torture us. I actually thought that moment landed really yeah. well because it really calls into question like Xavier's dream and and fighting for it. Um, let's let's also talk real briefly about Mark Millar and Kubert here. They introduce uh, Nick Fury. Yeah, in yeah, a yeah. in a big way. He's he's going to come in strong. Obviously, is the Samuel L. Jackson version, literally modeled after Samuel L. in the Ultimates. Um, but in these, he actually kind of debuts yeah. here. And he comes in as the super spy, right? He's a real cool S.H.I.E.L.D. James Bond character. Yeah. He gets a, a nice showcase by himself before Ultimate, like, raiding a, a terrorist base, kind yeah. of, that the X-Men later infiltrate. Um, there's also a nice backstory here of Wolverine and Nick fighting, it might be in Afghanistan, it's it might be, yeah. it's Iraq, um, and Wolverine, like, saving Nick Fury's Which, life also, when he was much younger. like... That, I mean, that, that scene is kind of absurd. I, I, that is very dumb because it's like a bunch of American 
soldiers are keeping Wolverine in a cage imprisoned, and then some Iraqis, like, use a rocket launcher and, like, blow up the convoy, releasing Wolverine, and uh-huh. then Wolverine kills all the Iraqis, and it's like, it doesn't matter, you know? Like, it, it's not actually focused on or given any importance that he just, like, slaughtered a bunch of the people who freed him, because it does feel a little bit of Mark Millar just being like, yeah, they're the bad guys, you know, because they're, uh, they got turbans or, uh, you know. Why does he kill them and not his captors? You mean? Yeah, I mean, the captors are dead because the Iraqis just killed them. And then Wolverine just, you know, like... Well, he's just a, he's just an unleashed... I mean, well, I, I would take he, that he as does, he's in his full-on Weapon X that, mindless Except that immediately phase. after that, he finds Nick Fury. And he saves Nick, right? And right. I, almost, I always want to say Nick Cage. God, I have to keep stopping myself and say Nick Fury. Um, <laughs> that he sees Nick Fury injured and he's just like... He, he lets himself be recaptured because he needs to save Nick right. Fury's life. So it's just like, yeah, it, it is that mind, that way of like, you know, yeah, the assumption these are bad guys and it's fine that they all get killed by Wolverine. So, I mean, it, it is not at the forefront here, but it is just that like casual background noise of uh, othering <laughs> that leaks into Marvel Comics in this era a lot. And I'm not really surprised Mark Millar is doing it. Yeah, there's there's definitely not. Uh, interest in exploring any nuance there. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, and so basically this establishes a, a relationship between Wolverine and Nick Fury, which pays off here when Wolverine lets himself be captured by Weapon X, and then ultimately uh, Nick Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. do come and help them all escape and take down the Weapon X facility. Yeah, you were going to uh, talk about one... the, the ending here, and I, I interrupted. <laughs> yeah, with the, the I was going to say the payoff is Jean Grey. They, they have Wraith. Blob's threatening to eat him. And obviously, everyone in this facility, all the mutants, who wait, hate is that true? Colonel John Ray, Blob right? is He's, threatening to eat him. Blob's holding his helicopter, threatening to eat him. Oh, I don't remember <laughs> that. I thought like I okay. Oh the, no, because like someone shoots him out of the sky, and then Nightcrawler saves him. Yeah, so that's so okay, what I was going okay, to say okay, is they have the opportunity effectively to uh-huh. end him. Gene specifically right. is yes, like yes, yes. no. We, I will not succumb to that level. I will not become the kill. You know, he made me kill someone, and you know, obviously, I hate him for that. But I will not actually kill him by mm-hmm. choice. That's the line we must never yep. cross. Thing, and pr- there's kind of some echoing of Professor X, who we haven't really talked about here, but like the uh, Weapon X captures Professor oh, X too, he, he, and, he and they just like hook him up to yoked. all sorts of cerebro. Yeah, yeah. First off, he's been working out, so props, prof. Um, but he's got like, you know, tubes coming out of every orifice Ooh. and and some that didn't exist before. And they're using him as like their mind control yep. weapon, essentially. Um, I think Wraith even at towards the end of this, he just shoots it yep. and yep. like is leaves him to bleed out, which, you know, he doesn't, but whatever. Um, but there's there's this kind of echoing throughout this, like the line we must not cross is killing. Because Professor X throughout Ultimate X Men is very clearly like, Hey, you know what line I will cross? It's erasing my students' memories. Um, he even has a conversation in this story with Gene, like, "Hey, Bobby uh, met a girl and told her all about us. Should what? What do you think about uh, like erasing their memories? Or I don't know. Like, what are your? And he's just your like, thoughts, oh, bummer. Got to do it though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, we got to erase their memories. Oh, okay, Gene. Yeah, I agree. Let's do it. Even though clearly that's his solution for everything. Um, but anyway. They're talking, you know, we must not cross this line. So they let Wraith go, or he's flying away in his helicopter. Storm sets out to kill him mm-hmm. because she's like, no, screw that. They just tortured us. And uh, Nightcrawler jumps into the plane and actually saves him, not because, obviously, he likes Wraith in any capacity, but because he says, I don't want you to have to become the killer Storm. It's a nice Nightcrawler moment, uh, despite the fact that there are very few of those in the Ultimate Universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, as Wraith, like... Basically, they save Nightcrawler saves him, and I think Wraith is, you know, like 
Rick sits up and is about to shoot Nightcrawler, basically for being like naive for saving him. Yeah. Uh, when Nick right. Fury bursts in and kills Wraith. Right. 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 Uh, so yeah, that is that is the end of this. We then get two oh, issues. Oh wait, we should mention. I mean, two just really weird issues. It is like, I I don't know. I, I wanted to talk briefly. I don't know if I have any like significant thoughts about it. But um, Nick Fury being like re recast. That's not the right word. But like he is a black man now, right? Instead of yeah, uh, you know, traditionally white. I think that's the first instance of that in the Ultimate Universe that we've seen. Like yeah, that's a good point, thing. right? So if we're going to talk about okay, what what is different here? What is the same? Uh, yeah, Nick is is recast in what will become very clearly the image of Samuel L. Jackson, mm-hmm. um, but definitely he goes from the white Nick Fury that we know in Earth Six One Six to African American. Um, it, it works really well. Yeah, it works. It works totally I, you know, fine. Like I don't, I don't, I don't really know why he does it. I don't have like I th- I think it's fine. I'm I'm curious. I've read interviews with with Millar and Hitch where they're just like we just thought Samuel L. Jackson's presence would be cool. Okay, yeah, because I because like, I was wondering I, like I th- why he did that, and I honestly just thought he would be like yeah, I thought you know like a cool black super spy like Samuel L. Jackson would be fun, and it's true he mm-hmm. does give a, a different mm-hmm. vibe, you know, than kind of like stuffy World War Two. Um, you know, he's definitely not the, the you know, your damn ham bone, like Nick Fury of... Yeah, yeah, he carries himself differently. It's not it's not a decision made in the interest of exploring, um, like, an African-American leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. No, no. You know what I mean? I don't remember that coming up clearly, but obviously the dynamic of the character shifts uh, in, in ways to match sort of this actor's personality uh, in ways that just kind of work for the era. What what else did you want to say about that? No, no, I mean, I don't really, I honestly don't have that much to say about it. It's just fine. Like, it just works fine. I was I was curious if you had any insight into, like, why he decided to do that. Um, I, I have only seen... I, I, I kind of heavily I think doubted the of the that of Mark Millar was just like, man, Marvel's very, very white. So uh, let's, you know, let's do something about that. Let's, you know, mix up some ethnicities and kind of cast a more diverse, you know, like, switch things up. So I didn't, I didn't think that would be quite it. So I was curious if you knew why. Um, it is kind of, it is weird how people don't fuss about this, you know? There's a few characters that get the, like, the race swap that don't get fussed about, and then there are a lot that do. Um, I'm curious. I mean, go, go ahead and go back to comic book forums from 2000 to 2004 and tell me no one was Yeah, okay, is that, is that? (laughs) I don't know the answer, but I'm just assuming. I don't really know. Go ahead, run it I guess the internet was not quite so in our faces all the time about this. Like, somehow... Th- those voices were still sequestered into their own little corners, their little dark shadows or dark corners of their basements. Because, um, I mean, like... I mean, I think you and I are very much aligned in in reading comics in the sense that I don't know that there is literally any character that Marvel could take from <laughs> 616 to Ultimate and change their race or gender that would not just be more interesting to us. Yeah, I mean, all those female superheroes just switch all their genders, all boys, all the time. Yeah, go, we are, go we are, pure we are boy, totally aligned right? in that. Correct, Dave. That is my line. Yeah, well, we'll be launching my boy year soon, where <laughs> we, we recontextualize the uh, the entire Marvel like, universe as all what boys. What if more boys? What if they're all yeah. boys? No, yeah. um, I, you know, yeah, I generally agree. Um, I think what am I gonna say? Yeah. Oh, I was thinking like, um, what's his name? Brian, Brian Michael Dun- Duncan. <laughs> Talking about Michael Duncan? What's his name? Um, is it Michael Duncan? Is that his name? I got Brian Michael Duncan in my head playing Kingpin. I don't even know what you're Daredevil. trying to say anymore. Michael Duncan? Is that the actor's name? Oh, In okay. the original yeah. Daredevil movie, right? Um, 
Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I, sure. I can't support this. Michael Clark Duncan. This is this is the one for Michael you. Michael Clark Duncan. I got it. <laughs> anyway, I have a theory that I can't really back up because I don't have uh, any evidence for it. Oh, I thought you were going to say I can't support um, making Kingpin Michael Clark Oh, no. Duncan. Oh, my God. He's perfect because like, he's just this, like, big, yeah. you know, he was this brick wall of a man. Um, yeah. No, that... Uh, that people get a lot more upset when it has to do with uh, women than it does men, I think. Um, anytime that, like, the men get changed to women, I think that becomes much more of a fussy issue than it does necessarily race, I think. I think race definitely plays in a thing in it, but all the times I've seen people throw, like, big temper tantrums lately, it's had to do with, like, a gender swap more than, like, a race swap. Uh, I mean, they yeah. both... Yeah. They both get people to to come out and reveal themselves. I just like no one. I, I would just say I don't. I always am more interested in the new perspective and, and yeah. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always. I mean, I, I've yet to see it not work. Uh, yeah. So that is okay. So now we have two issues of Ultimate X Men thirteen and fourteen that, frankly, we didn't need to read. Uh, they're written by Chuck Austin, and they're actually drawn by Isad Rivich, who I love. Uh, these are there's a two. It's a cutaway to a Gambit story. And it's kind of out. It's kind of out the sacre blue, if you will. <laughs> um, I just want to point out Esad Ribic. I just read his run on um, Thor, God of Thor, God of Thunder. Is that right? Uh -huh. With Jason mm -hmm. Aaron. God, his art is so good. It's so interesting to see him like yeah. a decade earlier, where he's good. He's like totally competent here, but it's nowhere near like what he, the heights he's going to achieve in like a decade. You can see the beginning of it, but like, man, that guy gets good. Yeah, yeah. Like this is right. This is early. Early yeah. his work, he will get oh, much yeah. better. Uh, Chuck Austin <laughs> has a, a uniquely controversial place in the Marvel Universe in that he was also writing a lot of Uncanny X-Men oh, is he around the, this time. Like, and his his work is pretty famously celebrated as some of the worst X-Men uh, comics That's right. I, I forgot about this. I think uh, a lot of people truly, truly despise well, does, doesn't he comics. have that one? I don't like, have where as strong. Angel has sex with a girl in front of her parents, like in the sky. Isn't that him? Yeah, he wrote that story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he also wrote a very famous X Men story called the Draco. Which, um, you know, if I talk about not loving what this story does to Nightcrawler, it pales in comparison, okay. probably to that. Uh, but so it, long story short, his name being tied to these issues don't bode super well uh -huh. <laughs> for for his reputation. Um, oh, really? I if it didn't have were... Ribbage Art, I probably wouldn't even have reread yeah. these. They read yeah, I thought they were fine. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know from yeah, reading yeah. these that, this was that he had this reputation. Yeah. Um, but again, like, they're just kind of too, like, oddball Gambit issues. I kind of liked Gambit and in them, They though. don't add a I lot. I thought Gambit's, like... Yeah, Did I you? like Gambit's characterization here. I've never read a Gambit comic before this, so or besides these, okay. these are literally uh -huh. the only like Ultimate X Men is the only time I've ever read anything with Gambit because I've never gotten that far. It is so. that's funny. It is a little bit like um, it's like they wanted to do an Ultimate Gambit miniseries, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, but but didn't quite have the did we're quite sure if that would mm -hmm. sell. Uh, so instead they do you know it's it's Gambit the antihero. He's, you know, a thief out on the streets. He runs into organized crime characters like Silvermane and Hammerhead. And and basically is fighting on behalf of a, what is it, like a very young girl who they're, you know, got yeah, some... Yeah, it's some girl who's some Hammerhead's parents, towards. who Hammerhead killed her parents. And he she becomes his <laughs> little, like, scamp sidekick for an, an afternoon. Uh, and then yeah. Hammerhead kidnaps her for reasons i don't know i mean it, it is it's all it's it's kind of that thing of um we see in marvel comics a lot where it's just like yeah man this is like a dark serious adult story but also it's kind of ridiculous and a child's view of the world you know like 
It's this very silly version of crime that feels like a 13-year-old's perception of how crime works or how the world works. Oh, this is how this is how I've seen crime. Yeah, work that way that experience. like uh criminals, you know, will kidnap little girls from <laughs> when they're sleeping on Gambit's lap to uh to execute them. Mm-hmm. But much late, I don't know. It, it's nonsense. Um, I mean, I don't like to talk about it, but that's most poker games I walk into. <laughs> is somebody's walking in with a little girl, and they're like, "We're gonna execute her." And I'm like, "Guys, yeah, no. I um, yeah, I like Gambit's no. voice here. Fine, that's about it. That's all I had to recommend it. I like at the end of this, Gambit does not send her on her way to the family member she said she has in Las Vegas. He leaves her with a couple other homeless guys, and he and she, they're just like, "Yeah, we got it from here," and he just leaves. <laughs> Yeah, it, it they're kind of an oddball. It, it uh, kind of feels like Marvel issues. You know, there is a like, there is a motive here that is captured in the previous story as well, where it's like there's kind of a rush to like throw out characters. You know, it's mm. kind of like the team up thing yeah, we were talking about, where it's like really... we don't know how long this is going to run for, and you know, people are excited to see new characters introduced in this context. So we better get to Gambit. We better throw Nightcrawler, and we better throw Rogan. You know, yeah. it's like there's sort of this rush without actually. It, without actually introducing yeah, the character the way that we see them introduced in If you don't know anything about Gambit, you wouldn't really know what his deal is. Like, I think you could go through most of this being like, okay, so he's got super-powered playing cards. That's cool, I guess. Mm-hmm. But, like, not mm-hmm. really, and they kind of reveal that that's not it. But he's kind of an ambiguous so th- character here. Doesn't it... And this might be part of why X-Men doesn't work for me as well. It feels... It's definitely leaning on what you already know very hard in ways that I don't know that Spider-Man is. I don't you know? think... I feel I like Spider-Man, most, when it the, 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 like, introduces characters, stuff. it actually introduces them. Sorry, I think we, we cut out for a second. I don't think the... Well, I was just yeah, going to... I was just saying, like, when it introduces J. Jonah Jameson, yeah, yeah, yeah. we all know who J. Jonah Jameson is, uh-huh. right? It'd be very hard to be reading a Spider-Man comic and, at that point, not have seen the first movie even, right? But it still clearly introduces what his character is. When Rogue shows up in X-Men... She just, like, touches and absorbs Colossus's, like, whatever, memories. Um, it doesn't... It, we just know that because we already know Rogue. Point. The yeah. comic doesn't actually do any work to show that, really. I, I guess my counter to that would be, I never read X-Men comics or watched the TV show, and this was my real first exposure to X-Men, and kind of formed what I knew about these characters. And it, so, Sure. Like, I, I think it generally works, but yes, you're right. Especially, I mean, I think Gambit's the big example of that, where... So did you think Blob just ate people? Like I for... think I missed that <laughs> until you yeah, read uh, yeah. Uncanny X Men number three, and you were like, "Oh no!" no because he's later, like Blob has barely been on camera so far. He's like not really here that much, and later he gets characterized. Characterized, oh boy, characterized, characterized a lot more. I like your yeah. version, and um, yeah, it's very yeah. Different. He does actually. Yeah. I mean, he has a really yeah. funny little scene here coming up that like I really like the. Uh, well, we'll talk about it later. Oh, we forgot to mention Beast is blue okay. now. Um, it's just that. Yeah, Beast got turned fully yeah. blue. So at the end of the first arc, his hair goes blue. And you're kind of like, oh, that's how they're going to do Beast. But then Weapon X actually has Dr. Cornelius, who is the the Weapon X doctor from, like, if you read Barry Windsor Smith, 90s Wolverine Weapon X. Um, he, like, experiments on him and just turns him fully blue, kind of just to hit that yeah. beat. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Well, the- it, it is. It, that's definitely a scene that's, like... It's um, it's kind of upsetting, you know, because he's so upset. He's literally just been tortured, and the the character's reactions to like seeing their friend turned fully beast is um, it has some impact. I won't I won't pretend it doesn't. Uh, but it is also just like, hey, we gotta make Beast there, blue. How are we gonna there, do that? There's a line here because Beast was injured in the last arc, and in this one, Gene was like doing a bunch of surgery on him and like talking about his recovery and all that. He's you know bouncing back. Yeah. But also mentions that he had both kangaroo and gorilla organs. Yeah, yeah. Like 
She did an right. organ transplant, but gave him gorilla and kangaroo organs, which is like... is. I thought maybe that was a joke by Hank, because it was tossed out there so casually. I don't know. That kind of feels like the thing that Mark now, Millar would now be doing. Now, right? like, you're, the, you're the scientist. You're the scientist in the room. Is that uh, is that technology that humankind is capable of? Yeah, okay. Well... Scale of 1 to 10, how many jungle organs do I have inside me right idiot. now? idiot. Kangaroos don't live in the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. So what you can do, you can definitely transplant gorilla organs, and you can definitely transplant kangaroo organs. You can't do both, and that's what makes this, like, just absurd. Oh, and obviously, like, everyone knows that, and that's why is this the is dumb. Um, yeah, I think... I think Could what, I dunk the, if I got kangaroo calves implanted? I mean, I, I kind of thought that's what they were saying. Like, yeah, Beast is, you know, he's like a big, chunky boy. He's like kind of a big thick slab, so that's where the gorilla comes yeah. from, and he can jump big, so that's the kangaroo. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Before we move on, who's your favorite X Men? Who's your favorite Ultimate X Men? Oh, who, who do you like X-Men? in this? Oh, um, yeah. I'd say Wolverine so far. You know, like he's he's the yeah. most interesting here so far. I mean, I think that might just be yeah. he gets the most screen time besides like Jean Grey, maybe. Um, like Storm doesn't get Jean gets a lot of screen time, and I want to like her oh I like, but... I like Jean here she's probably my second choice she's cool she's pretty cool I I like Jean her being kind of like cool. a normal teen generally like with all this responsibility on yeah. her shoulders I think that works Storm just doesn't have that yeah. much to do oh she's dating Hank though which is kind of interesting um you get That's you true. get a fun little scene of That's that true. anyway let's move on to Marvel oh wait no one more thing Gambit shoves his fingers inside of Hammerhead's mouth and blows his brains out <laughs> that yeah, that was important. That, that shot is actually like very, uh, a pretty, pretty cool, like hell yeah shot of just like Hammerhead's the back of his head, like smoking. <laughs> from a- yeah, R.I.P. Hammerhead. We hardly knew ye. Oh, speaking of like single panels with a lot of impact, there's a, a prolonged Sabretooth Wolverine fight, and there's one panel of Wolverine clearly like double with both fists, like clawing Wolverine's face from left to right, and you just peek through like the the slash of his claws one eyeball looking like terrified and surprised i think that's a really good yeah. effective panel i wanted to call out yeah Sabretooth also has four, four claws on each hand just so I, he has one more of them yeah i like i like how he gets made fun of that or made fun for that yeah. made fun of for yeah. that a lot no he's just he's just trying to be a tiny little yeah, yeah. wolverine and uh it's kind of cute yeah. and sad okay ultimate marvel team up we read issues number 10 through number 16 this is the conclusion of Ultimate Marvel Team-Up. This is throughout 2002. And uh, let's, I think, let's talk about the characters that are introduced here. I don't, definitely don't want to do a synopsis of each of these. Um, Again, Team-Up is, it's a Spider-Man meeting different Marvel characters. And really all I want to talk about is who was introduced and are there any actual Ultimate Universe changes? Because, you know, like we talked about with the first round, Iron Man, for example was introduced here basically as Earth-616 Iron Man. Um, and he's going to change in the pages of yep. Ultimates. So, like, but in these issues, almost... Who do we get? We yeah, get Man-Thing, so, we get Doctor Strange, 10. we get Black Widow, and we get Shang-Chi. Yep. And only Black Widow is really going to play a role moving yeah, forward. Yeah, so Ma- um, Man-Thing is a, not a notable there, role. really. This is like a Spider-Man trying to track down... Which is a classic Man-Thing structure. Yeah, that he is a background character. But he literally is just the deus ex machina here so the main story is that like kirk yes. connor's you get kirk connor's whole story the, and these are all very much as we have started to say on my marvelous year one standard unit of origin <laughs> right like this is a standard unit of lizard origin yeah. absolutely you know what this one actually feels marvel team up number 10 actually feels like an issue of ultimate spider-man yeah except boring right like i 
Except not Kurt Connors thing <laughs> yeah. is literally the same as it's always been. It's just long. I don't know. I already know how this plays out. I think the only thing you could say that changed here is he looks uh, cool. is his oh, yeah, design. He looks, cool now. he looks more like a dinosaur snake. Yeah, yeah. He kind of he kind of cool. looks more like a I don't know, like an iguana, right? With that like frill. Hey, fun back. fact. Fun fact. This issue is drawn by John yeah. Tolben who does the art alongside Stephen Bissett in Saga of the Swamp yeah, Thing. Yeah, I saw that. He doesn't do I that do much work. I do quite love he, that touch. Yeah, he did a lot of Swamp Thing. He hasn't done much for Marvel. He did like eight issues for Marvel. <laughs> That's it. He's going to do... Uh... Yeah. There, there is one very cool double-page splash sequence of a lizard transformation. Yes. I think the first yep. lizard transformation. Yeah, yeah, that looks quite excellent. But if you've never read Alan Moore, Bissett, and Total Bound on Saga of the Swamp Thing, highly recommended reading. Yeah, so... Th- this issue, on the other hand, less I mean, highly this is recommended. Like, uh, the whole issue is Spider-Man, you know, you find about the lizard, Spider-Man goes to the sewers to track him down, he's about to get killed by the lizard, and then, oh, hey, Man-Thing comes out and burns the lizard away and leaves Kurt Connor there. And Yeah, I, I will inex- be honest, I was a little surprised to find that the, like, doctor, so it starts out with, like, these doctor's notes about, like, our marriage was great, uh-huh. blah, 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 and I was thinking that was going to be Ted Salas, a.k.a. Man-Thing yep. story. <laughs> no, it's just Man-Thing Kurt Connor's, literally gets nothing like, the whole thing. except for... He's in the sewers, he shows up, he burns someone, he leaves. And like, yep. Uh, yep. if you don't know who Man-Thing is, you're just like, what the hell was that? <laughs> well, they write, is there origin on the, um, like the, what do you call it, the intro But it's the same origin page. as 616. Oh, 100%. 100%. And, th- and this is where I talk about Team Up feeling disappointing, where it's like, you have this blank canvas for Man-Thing. Yeah. Like, no one is so beholden to Adventures into Fear starting to read in the 2000s yeah, do a that weird Man-Thing you could not yeah. change elements of Man-Thing. You know yeah, what I mean? It's all very safe. Like, yeah, do yeah. your own man thing. They do not have any interest in that. Even do your own lizard. Like uh, this is where I would say when I talk about Bendis's adherence to the spirit of sixty Spider-Man, this is too much. Yeah. <laughs> this is literalism, and it's boring yeah. because we already know, right? So uh, yeah, this issue is so kind I, of the worst and example. I think, so I me. think the the best one I'd say out of this batch is Spider-Man and the X-Men, uh, drawn mm. by the, and these are all. Brickel Bendis, but this is um, drawn by China Clugston Major, who I think is doing pretty pretty good yeah. work here. And it's like senior skip day for Spider Man. Him and Liz Allen and Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane. Have we seen Gwen Stacy uh-huh. in Ultimate Spider Man? So, so I was gonna mention that because we have not. Okay, because I was like, did I forget Spider-Man she was yet. in the first arc? Because she's and also this issue clearly takes place before. Um, the X-Men story we just read. Yeah, right, yes. Yeah, some of the timeline stuff is funky, but these work better after the Spider-Man because Peter Parker and MJ are clearly dating through a lot of these. So that, that works yes. good. Um, yeah, and they just all go yeah. to the mall, and at the food court, they run into the X-Men, and Wolverine kind of decides to just play a prank on Peter Parker because he sniffs him out, which I really like. He, he recognizes, hey, that kid's Spider-Man. Which and then good. he just sits down, and he's just like, hey, it's my cousin. And, he, and everyone's like, Peter, yeah. this is your cousin? He's like, yeah, Peter, my cousin. <laughs> Peter, you have a 40-year-old Harry cousin. And Kong goes for like, he's like, hey, looking large, my man, and goes for a <laughs> fist bump from Wolverine. And then Wolverine doesn't reciprocate, and Kong's just like, you're going to leave me hanging, my man? Like, he looks so sad. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good yeah. moment. Never leave Kong um, hanging. Uh, I do think also Peter and his friends, they recognize, do they recognize the X-Men, or they just... At one point, Liz Allen blurts out, are you Yeah, that's what happens. And then they're like, yes, and Liz Allen just immediately bursts into tears and runs away, which is kind of... This has happened a couple times now, where Liz has, like, freaked out over talk of superpowers or mutantum. Clearly, we're hinting at something, but we don't know what I mean, that's kind of consistent with 
Silver Age Liz Allen, you know, because like her brother would died. She blamed Spider. Wait, that's Betty Brant, right? Or is that Liz Allen? Liz Liz's brother later is revealed to be the Molten Man. Okay. Oh, never mind. All right. Well, I'm mixing them up. Betty. So, but not when Betty Brant is the one. You, you're yeah, thinking of Betty, who hates yeah. superheroes and hates Spider Man. Um. Yeah, I think this is the most successful, just because it's kind of like there's no uh, there's no big fight here. There's no origin here. It's just the kids talking about what it's like to be a yeah. mutant. And it does feel a little right? bit like um, like he's just using the X-Men as like a quick little mouthpiece for like, here's my philosophy on the X-Men and mutants and what it's like to be uh, discriminated against. This is why I actually looked up his politics um, between this and something else, because Brian Michael Bendis hits this... Um, he gets this point a few times where he kind of talks about like, yeah, everyone's got problems. You think you've got more problems than anyone else? Nah, just different problems. And everyone just needs to like live their own life. And like, all you can do is live your life and deal with your issues, whether you're a mutant or not a mutant, whether you're Spider-Man or not a Spider-Man. Um, and that that's something that like... I don't, I don't know that I came down as hard that same way because there is a clear, like the thing ends with like, I think Liz or one of them being like, are you ever worried, you know, you mutants are just going to like get locked up by the government? And Cyclops is like, yeah, all the time. So there's a clear differentiation Mm -hmm. between like, yes, we are all, we are all the same in terms of we are all people, but our worries (laughs) are on a bigger scale. Gene Gray gives this little speech that definitely feels, I don't know, I, I might be overreading this. It feels a touch like, you know, like a little bootstrappy. I I don't know if I'm like overreading the subtext here but it feels a little bit that like you know it doesn't matter if you're systemically discriminated against you just gotta live your life and like everyone's got their own problems oh like well she i don't she doesn't say it doesn't matter so much as like what am i gonna do like i just have to live right yes 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 i i get that but like i i feel like that is i just kind of got the tone of just like not not trying to i don't know it that feels like a, a somewhat specifically american <laughs> kind of thing i i might be totally overreading here i i can't quite uh articulate yeah articulate <laughs> i couldn't think of the word articulate it's funny articulate exactly what i mean but i i just got that like i don't know i got the whiff of bootstraps if you know what i mean i i guess i hear what you're saying i think it's a if you extend the mutant metaphor yeah. in the way that it can be extended um there's a lot more conversation that can yes. be had around around this this is one white man's take yeah. on it. And, and I also <laughs> right? like... And that is obviously not everyone, not the widest I think if this was the only time I've opinion. seen Brian Michael Bendis write kind of the same point, it would be different, but this is the second or third time. You've seen it a couple yeah, times I mean, he brings though. it up yeah. later in the Shang-Chi issue. Mary Jane and Spider-Man have the same kind of conversation. Yeah. So this, this feels yeah. like some kind of like um, core philosophy of Brian Michael Bendis of just like, doesn't matter what you're going through, you just got to... Just got to deal with it, you know, which is, it's, yeah, that's I, not, that's it's not, a, I think not it's not true. I think it's a very <laughs> like, Marvel approach, even more than a Bendis approach yeah. too, which is like, it's, it's got the right intentions. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I would say you're saying maybe there are problems with it, which I, I you know, it's fair. Let's talk about it. But, um, I think the intention is to say like, yes, we're mutants, but also we're people yes, yes, yes. and we live our lives. Right. Like you. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the, yeah. Intention, I, I think right? and that, that's and think fine. That's and it is also Marvel true falls. that like. You can't just crawl up in a ball. You have to, you know, live your life. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I am reading pretty deeply into a sus- subtext that may or may not be there, to be fair. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that the next couple yeah, issues, Do- 12 and 13, Dr. Strange, Ted, are Doctor Ted Strange McKeever introductions, on art, which I really like. He's doing this really abstract, like pastel, maybe like um, it's it's very. Stretchy. Yeah, I like Ted McKeever 
his his creator own stuff um a lot like it's super abstract and it's weird uh superannuated man is a book that i am uh, featured on the back cover purchase the image nice. trade but uh but it's it's really like wild wild stuff his abstract art here i think could be very off-pitting i it works for a doctor strange yeah, story yeah, to so. me because it's supposed to be sort of abstract let's talk i I don't love these issues, but let's talk about what the change they decide to do with Doctor Strange. Which I don't understand Because why. it's a very weird one. It, okay, so, yeah, it's basically that Doctor Strange got Clea pregnant 20 years ago. Like, Doctor Strange was Doctor Strange. Uh-huh. It's basically the Doctor Strange we know. There was Doctor Strange in the Ultimate Universe. He was exactly who we knew. Right. Yes. He was, you know, like, romantically involved with Clea. She got pregnant. He vanished. She gave birth to a child and basically, like, pretended that magic didn't exist and kind of didn't tell him anything about it. And then when Stephen Strange... In a clear, like, this destroyed your father, therefore I hate magic. Right. Now. And then right. when he came of age... He being Stephen Strange Jr. Right. Uh, Wong shows up and is just like, you know, you're Stephen Strange, Sorcerer Supreme. Hey, you're a magic man. You I like the conversation. This was a very funny little timestamp of just, like, Stephen Strange hanging out in this, like, crappy house with a bunch of roommates being like, so, uh, Winona Ryder or Angelina Jolie? Like that kind yeah. of like dumb yeah. shit that that felt that felt to me old for the time. Um, Winona Ryder. I don't know. I mean, was she was she big in two thousand? I guess what, these people are in their twenties I mean, or big something. In the big so 90s. I guess maybe I don't have late, that perspective. Late nineties is a uh, reality bites like ninety eight. I think. Listen, like in two thousand, I'm like Mary Kate or Ashley. Well, yeah, but which you movie is your you favorite? 20, though well, I was young at heart. Um, anywho. Oh, Reality Bites is Stephen Strange. Never mind. Sorry. I was way off. Yeah, see? You're way off, you fool. Uh, so, Brickle and Ted, they do this this weird Stephen Strange Jr. I, I don't know why. All it does is it makes Doctor Strange uh, less confident. The, the, like, he's Stephen Strange Jr. He started to learn this, magic with Wong, but he doesn't quite know what he's doing This could just be yet. Doctor Strange, but just starting out. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, um, this, this wouldn't be a bad Conceptually, angle, the like, idea... No, it wouldn't be, but they don't play with it because then they just immediately make him early Doctor Strange. Yeah, if th- if this was right, like Doctor Strange issue one, Ultimate Doctor Strange issue one of a series we're going to continue with, this might be an interesting sure, approach. Right, and then like eventually yeah. you could fold back in the real Doctor. You know, he finds his father, the original Doctor Strange, etc. Like, but we don't because does Doctor Strange ever show up again in the Ultimate Universe? He does, he does, and I I think this origin sticks. Um, but again, like it's not. I don't think the story ever really gets. Oh told. yeah, because like the and next time we see him, the he... idea of like Doctor Strange's kind of loser son, or like you know he's kind of a bum, but then he finds out his dad was Doctor Strange, I, I and can he get behind that. now he does something, you know, with it. Like that's a yeah, story. I, that right? actually like, is a that, fun little that's twist, fine. right? Like living up to the you yeah, know, like yeah, it, sure, make it different. A... I don't know that that ever really gets. No, explored. not at all. Not not at all. I mean, that's that's even a fun little like meta twist of you know like you can kind of view the original Doctor Strange as the six one six version, and you know like yeah, this yeah, character sure. needs to live up to the original character that we all know and already love. I mean, kind of yeah. has that Miles no, it's, Morales. it's weirdly half hearted going. So yeah, 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 a little bit. Um, no, but it's weirdly half hearted. Yep. It's uh, it, Spider Man is magically possessed to go kill Strange and steal the one with whom they fight. It yeah, doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Bleh. Ultimate Marvel team up number 14, Spider-Man and the Black Widow. Black Widow here will actually stick around, and there's actually even a little tease for, hey, the Ultimates is a coming. That's where Black Widow's going to be there, next. Is there a tease? Um, yeah, it's at the end uh, of that This comic. is Terry Moore, uh, which is pretty fun. Um, Terry Moore on art, I think, does a nice job like famous, throughout this issue. But not for superhero comics, really. 
Um, like famous for what? Strangers in Paradise. Is he Strangers yeah, in Paradise? Yeah. Rachel which I, I quite like. Which, um, yeah. I like generally. I like Terry Moore comics. Yeah. Um, he here he's writing Black Widow as she's infiltrated a Latverian, oh, kind of, some sort of oh Latverian. Is, that that's the Latverian biggest embassy, thing that doesn't good. add up. Like this is not the Latveria we're gonna know later. This is wrong canonically compared to what we will see later. Yeah, anything Doom or Fantastic Four. Um, just wait for the actual series yeah. to launch because all the talk of it here is it, again it's like Earth six one six, but it's gonna change. Um, Black Widow's trying to be an intern, the Latverian embassy. They Realize she's spying on them. They capture her, but she's Black Widow, so she escapes. As she's running away, Spider-Man finds her, and she says, please save me. Spider-Man swings away with her, and then she quickly decides, I'm going to seduce this young and boy he calls her in slutty, order to gas him, and let's talk about that, yeah, yeah. because Spider-Man says, you know, I'm used to someone a little more, Black Widow says, mature. Spider-Man says, actually, I was thinking slutty. And I have to say, this is when I nearly oh, okay, exploded. Yeah. Because I was like, that's actually printed and published sure, yeah. in this Marvel yep. comic? Like in, in May 2002? Yep. What? The, what? I mean... it's it. I, I was genuinely shocked I don't know. that that made it to print. No, I don't think so. I think like slut-shaming was very much a fine and normal punchline at the time. In like, It also reads out of character. I don't. I don't even know. That if it seems does. Like, like a really a aggressive normal, thing for Peter Parker to say to an adult like woman. A very like kind of casual thing that is in like the teenage lexicon at the time. I don't know. It is my experience of being I, a thirteen. I called boy. very few moms slutty when I was. Wait, 15. who is he talking about? The other person? Because I just realized it's not Black Cat. It's MJ, probably. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Weird. That's right. Red hair. I guess. Okay. Yeah. So w- what we've learned here is when you were young. You were walking around dropping oh, SL right. bombs well, put at every woman you met, That's... and I was treating them like ladies, like a the gentleman. <laughs> I like it. I, I yeah, called, so I I, I thought ladies, my lady, <laughs> ma'am, and my lady. Uh, it this I'm not shocked that that language was used or that this joke was made uh, in a comic from this era. I was actually surprised to see it in print. Um, also, like I said. I feel like Black Widow, her reaction to him saying that should have been to just deck him. No, that's there. what I'm saying. I would I have been more, I, I would have responded to it pretty, better. Like, my recollection at the time is that this kind of like casual slut shaming was very normalized, normalized in the culture. Like, it was very much okay and normal to toss this kind of stuff out. Uh, and like, I sex positivity a, was not on the child. menu, Dave, in pop culture 2003. <laughs> You were eating off the wrong men, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Gross. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I also thought this issue was just boring, so I don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's not great. One... It ends with Nick Fury showing up and saying, hey, Natasha, what, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you infiltrating Latverian embassies like this? And uh, clearly they're going to have some sort of connection. Moving forward, the next two issues, 15 and 16, are Spider-Man and Shang-Chi issues. And there's one good idea. In these comics, yeah, um, I actually like Shang Chi here. He's a very Earth six one six Shang Chi, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the art in these issues too, by Rick Mays with inks by Jason Martin. Uh, there's a very clean, again, that sort of like American comics meets manga style. Um, not extended too far on the manga side. It's more. It, it actually reminds me of the art in a uh, Superman Smashes the Clan which is ongoing right now. It's just like very clean, kind of young, all ages. Uh, I thought the book looked really nice, and I like the idea here. So Peter Parker meets Shang-Chi, essentially, or kind of just oversees him. Shang beats up a whole bunch of people. 
And then Peter and Mary Jane have a conversation later saying, hey, you should pay him to teach you how to fight because you don't yeah, know how to fight. Yeah, that is actually, that, that's I like a that very idea, fun a lot. idea. Yeah. This is something that has literally been done in Nurse Peter 616 Parker says this in time. more uh, uh, kind of ableist terms that he just kind of flails around <laughs> um, when he fights, which I, yeah. I like the idea yeah. of, uh, of just like... Well, and I always like the idea, too, of like, this was, you know, before his spider bite, Peter is a... He doesn't really play sports. He's not good at sports. You know what I mean? Like, he's not, like, naturally athletic. So he's, he's never learned to fight. He didn't box. He didn't train or anything. But he's out here fighting bad guys. So the idea that he would, like, know how to do that, you know, it, it doesn't make sense. But he is just more gifted. So I, I love the idea of, like, you know, hey, let's seek out the best fighter to teach you how to actually do this stuff. That would be Shang-Chi. Um, the Shang-Chi story is about as, again, like, this is the problem with Team Up, is it's just reduced to simplicity in a way that, like, they keep Fu Manchu as his dad. Yep. But they don't actually show any of that. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Like, they don't get like, into any of that. Yeah, if you don't already know about Shang-Chi, this is just like, someone's after him. And it's like, and then some woman shows up and gets a bunch of, you know, like, gangsters together to fight him. And it's boring and it doesn't really yeah. matter. Um, I mean, I think the only series that Ultimate Marvel team-up would make you want to check out is Ultimate Spider-Man. There's no actual other character introduced here who I'd be like, I want to know more about him based on this. Yeah, 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 yeah that's true. And I mean, it's also like... Shang-Chi is an interesting character, not by a guy who's not interested in uh, exploring, like, the culture around him, right? Like, uh, I mean, like, there's just jokes about, like, what are you, a ninja? That's like, I mean, he's not yeah. he's not Japanese, he's Chinese, right? Like, that's not even a funny joke. Like, that's, a li that's such a lazy joke. Like, it's an Asian thing, so I said it, you know? Like, it's very, very dull and very, like, I mean, it's not interested in that. It's very disinterested in what would make Shang-Chi comics uh, unique and stand out, you know? Which is crazy British spice. Right. Somehow. I mean, know. yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> right. Spycraft. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So ending on a somewhat sour note, but I think ultimately, um, like I said, I love reading Ultimate Spider-Man. Ultimate X-Men, even though I was obviously the voice of negativity on that conversation, is always interesting. Like, it is, it is interesting as hell, even when I think it's bad, I guess the decisions that they make around that that comic. Um, and I'm kind of glad Marvel Team-Up's done because I remember liking this fine when I had maybe less familiarity with the 616 versions of these characters. But now it's just like, this series doesn't do what it should. It doesn't actually introduce the Ultimate Universe version of other characters. It just kind of plays around with Ultimate Spider-Man with Earth-616 characters. And it's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, it's very, uh, I mean, like we say, it's a standard issue or standard uh, unit of comic, you know? like Yeah, totally. So, um, let's see. Let's see what's coming up <laughs> next. So next, next, next time, time on, on my, my Ultimate Year. Episode 4, Ultimate Spider-Man 14 through 21. Some more Spidey. Ultimate X-Men 15 Yay. through 20. And Ooh. Ultimates. One through six. Ooh, baby. The big I'm one. I'm excited about the that. The Ultimate yeah. Universe Avengers. I'm excited to talk it's, about that one because obviously it's a huge, it's gets, a huge it's deal it's in the so Ultimate Universe. so weird. Yeah. It's very interesting. It, I mean, I think Ultimates is the thing that's just like, all right, let's really mess with this. Let's really like, let's really make some changes. Yeah. Let's really like mix things up. And I think some of it really works. Not all of it, but some of it really works well. So. Well, and it, it kind of does what I was just saying about X-Men, too, where it's like, even if I don't think this works, I'm interested in the changes. Yeah. You know, it's got my attention. Well, then again, um, we did read Ultimate that, Iron Man. That is and, uh, That makes some big changes. And I guess I was interested that, in the changes. But when we talked about that, though, it was it was interesting to that's talk true. about. It was yeah. interesting to consider um, because it's so yeah, out I mean, there. I guess... Like, it, that's actually... I don't know. I'm not looking for the Ultimate Universe to be like, 
hey, what's the most out there version of this you can do? Like the ones that I like the most, Spider-Man, is that blend, Yeah, you know? Um, But I'm interested in seeing creators who are like, what's the blend here that makes sense? Ultimates does that. And that's you know what would be interesting is, I mean, you talk about this, that ultimate universe, you know, like they should just, that's such a good idea. And it's your best idea, Dave. Your only good the idea. Best idea. Um, is mm-hmm. that, you know, every 10 years they should just relaunch the ultimate universe with a new batch of writers, right? And just like right. always have this, you know, recycled or recycling. That's not cycling again. Uh, well, always yeah. recycle is my first best yeah. idea. Um, Actually, I would say corporations should always recycle is my first best idea. But second best idea is like individually just yeah go ahead yeah that's a good that's a good point. Um, but the third best idea is what yeah you're is saying. that the ultimate universe should always just be relaunching every decade and just redo these. But you know what I was thinking was that like if they do this again, I wouldn't want to see Spider Man. I don't think I'd like Spider Man should. He'd want to see a different like lens. Captain America, Thor, Iron Man. You know, like the Avengers. The if you're doing Doctor it in 2020, Strange, I mean, it would reflect the MCU more. You get Guardians of the Galaxy. I think you just lean into the MCU totally. I th- I think if you're doing it in 2020, you start with the Eternals. N- Get weird. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, but like, I mean, Thor. Get weird. Thor is barely. I mean, Thor's around. We're gonna talk about some Thor, but he is not a big presence in the Ultimate Universe, and that feels weird in 2020, right? Iron Man is not mm. that big of a presence. Captain America, right? And that is, is a indication of you know that's in the Ultimate yeah. Universe. I mean, they're around in the Ultimates, but like, well, just wait till they we do get not to the have Ultimates. the same footprint that Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, or X-Men have, right? Like, they get their little own like disagree. Ultimates gets 13 disagree. issues. And then Ultimates 2 gets 13, and then Ultimates 3 gets 5, you know? And then they're weaved into events, right? Like, I think they're... Yeah, I mean, may- maybe I didn't read that far. I've read only about half of the Ultimate Universe. But to my mind, like, yeah. I read a ton of Spider-Man and a ton of X-Men and not that much Avengers stuff. So, anyway. Okay. Well, I disagree. We will see why as we continue. <laughs> I mean, it's not even, like, a disagreement thing. One of us is right and one's wrong, <laughs> that they're around or not. Uh We'll just we'll just right. find out. So when I disagree, I'm saying it's my nice way of saying I'm wrong. You're very okay. wrong. Yeah, fair enough. You're very very wrong. Yeah. So thank you for everybody for listening. Um, if you want to uh, help us continue these and support the show, you can go on over to Patreon.com/slash My Marvelous Year. Again, reader support, uh, listener support here is essential in continuing the My Ultimate Year program. Yep. Thanks everybody who has done so yes, so far. My Marvelous Year, the show where we go through year by year Marvel history, will be continuing here into the future. Let's see, this is going to be released on the first of February, on I the, believe, on the, the Patreon plan. feed, and but we then should be, it's uh, be quickly approaching 1981 for those of you listening on Patreon yep. in the MMY Club. And if you are listening in, what is that? August, we will be in 2005, August? I think, by that point. What? Yeah, we're going to... August 2005? Yeah, oh, sorry. This is uh, just for people listening to My Ultimate Year. They're the ones who get let in. We're going to really accelerate the reading soon. We're going to be about doing four or five years per week now. So I hope you're all caught up. All of the time, that like my my brain is melting from whatever you just tried to share. <laughs> uh, who's uh, who's our music by uh, today? By Divine Right, thank you. Divine Right, uh, no. By Divine yeah, Right, is by that... Divine Right. Music is by by yes, Divine correct. Right. Did yes, I say yes, that correctly? Yes. yes, I love that theme yeah, song. Thank fun. you, by Divine Right. Uh, what else? Uh, please, if you like the show and you made it all the way to the end, like. No, don't like and subscribe. You can't do that. Uh, but please rate and review. Hit that on little iTunes bell. Or share with a friend. Comment, like, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. All right. Thanks, everybody. I'm Dave. That's Zach that I'm pointing to on my video He's screen not actually. <laughs> that you can't see. And 
What do we say for my ultimate year? I have an ultimate year, chaps. <laughs> you know, we'll come, we'll, we come up with it fresh. Awesome. I think every year we're just going to say, what do we say for this show? And then uh, we spitball it. Yeah, I have an ultimate year, chaps. We'll see you next All year. Right. Cheerio. I got issues. I got issues.